The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, called to perfection. This promised commandment, written in the book of Matthew, is presented in the series of sermons of Pastor Arkady, and it is the inheritance of the saints of all time, and it is addressed by Christ to his disciples. Therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. We have stopped to talk about the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person expressed in our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. According to this passage, the rule of the peace of God in our hearts, in whose hearts belong the righteousness of God, is possible only under one condition if we are clothed in the selective love of God. The character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unearthly virtues. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. Each individual virtue, the fruit of virtue, contains the characteristics of all other virtues because they flow from one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and are found in one another. These virtues are the moral perfections and standards that are inherent to the essence of God that are given to us through Christ, which we must become enriched by. And we can enter into the inheritance of these virtues only by accepting the Holy Spirit as the Lord and ruler of our life and the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And by inheriting these great and precious promises, we are made partakers of God's essence. So practically, all of these components, all of these listed components are the characteristics of God. And we must become enriched by these characteristics. Jesus had made these characteristics accessible to us, and the Holy Spirit takes from Jesus these characteristics because He cannot take these characteristics from the Father. These characteristics for the Holy Spirit must be expressed by the Son of Man when He came upon the earth. When He came upon the earth, the devil said, You are the Son of God. He said, I am the Son of Man, and I and myself will demonstrate all the characteristics of my Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit will take these characteristics from man and pass them along to other people so they can be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The selective love of God, expressed in seven unearthly virtues and characteristics, has nothing in common and cannot have anything in common with the tolerant love of man that is filled with selfishness, blemishes, and inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the unconditional selective love of God differs in that it carries the all-consuming zeal of God 
His omnipotence, and His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use for selfish and ignorant reasons. And with regard to this, the selective love of God contained in the format of the seven virtues that is called to destroy the power of death in our bodies and replace it with the power of the resurrection of Christ also in our bodies and clothe our bodies into the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. Talking about these virtues, let's quickly remember what they mean. So talking about virtue of the selective love of God, we have established the origin and source of all good that God is the origin and source of all of these characteristics. Whereas a second quality, knowledge in the selective love of God, is called to give us discerning of what is good and what is bad, or what God views as good and what He views as evil. The third characteristic, self-control, gives us the power to choose what God views as good and reject what He views as evil. The patience of Christ in the selective love of God is founded on the ability to look at what God views as good and await with hope for the fulfillment of what we have seen. The discipline of godliness in the selective love of God is called to keep itself undefiled from what God views as evil and hallow God in our hearts and souls. Brotherly love in the selective love of God serves as the guide from death to life because we love the brethren, and whoever does not love his brother abides in death. And finally, the seventh virtue, love, it is the bond of perfection that is inherent to the essence of God. And this bond of perfection, it is the bond of all those virtues that we have listed. And so, in the virtue we were met with God, in knowledge we were met with what this person or what God views as good and what he views as evil and self-control we made the decision to reject what God views as evil and keep what he views as good the patience of Christ now that which God calls good we look about we look at this we dwell in it we call the inexistent as existent and parallel to this godliness allows us to um, to keep ourselves undefiled from what God views as evil and hallow God in our hearts brotherly love allows serves as the guide and love crown, uh, love crowns us in a certain format, we have already studied the manifestation of the selective of God in five virtues. We will continue to study the virtue of the love of God in the sixth characteristic. This is brotherly love. The selective love of God, discovering itself in brotherly love, can dwell and express itself in the atmosphere of eternal life that we came to through death when we were born from the seed of the word of truth. First John chapter 3 verses 14 through 18. We know, as Pastor highlights often, doesn't say we feel, it doesn't say we think. Scripture says we know. To say this, we, we must have a person who will teach us. Of course, I might know it, but I, someone needs to explain it to me. An apostle, Apostle Arkady, Apostle Paul. Otherwise, I will live only based on my feelings. I think, I feel. No, we know. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother, brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. 
We also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. When a person is born of God, he is given the choice. This is to either enter a state of death and become dead to God and unsuitable for any good deed, or enter a state of eternal life that he did not know of before and become fit for all good deeds and demonstrating brotherly love. We know that in Greek there are four words that define the word love. This is love for a friend or for multiple friends. It's defined by the word filio. Love for relatives by blood is defined by the word storgi. A husband's love for his wife and vice versa is defined by the word eros. And the love of man for God and God for man, as well as brotherly love, is defined by the word agape. The first three types of love reveal themselves in the power of flaming human feelings, which blind the human mind and subordinate the will of man to themselves. By virtue of this, all these three types of love allow a person to use these three types of love for their own selfish purposes. Pastor repeatedly says that if love, if you love is blind, you will fall in love with the donkey. Someone will say, how come we repeat this so often? Well, how come you make this one in the, how come you continue to make the same mistakes I help pastor in certain things in little things but I do not know what is ha happening in families automatically these things I pass along to pastor uh, small things when um, someone needs to confess um, I will I can take care of it when it involves families when marriages are being separated when there are problems this is not a little thing and pastor decides these things himself with saints and when he repeats these things sometimes we think oh I I, I know all these things someone has does not yet know this someone must be told because it's not just me and you sitting in this room and not not just her we are all sitting here let's out of respect to all let's act with respect to what is the word that is spoken according to the revelations of scripture the nature of brotherly love in our heart is, is contained in the love of god agape and apart from the three types of human love it is beyond it's interesting Listen here, it's beyond the emotional and rational capabilities that cannot penetrate into the unapproachable light of the fourth dimension in which God dwells. And so it will be necessary for us to answer four classic questions. And the first, by what characteristics should we define people who are a part of the category of our brothers for whom we are called to lay down our lives in order to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? Second, what purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill in brotherly love toward one another? Third, what conditions are necessary to fulfill to demonstrate the selective love of God and brotherly love in our faith? And fourth, by what signs should we test ourselves for the presence of brotherly love toward one another? in the selective love of God. We must note that we are not talking about those brothers in flesh and blood and not those who are wearing pants, but brotherly love among saints. As written, let brotherly love continue. Hebrews 13, 1. We have talked the first question and therefore we will move along to the second one. And I will, in summary, remind you what purpose is the selective love of God called to fulfill and brotherly love toward one another. 
the one who is our neighbor is the one whom we have must demonstrate brotherly love to. So in this category, we uh, God, we see God. God is our neighbor. Also in this category, we see the messengers of God who represent his interests. And for us here was presented a parable about the neighbor who had served the man who was wounded on the road who went from Jerusalem to Jericho. He had served him. And the third quality these saints that serve us they are also in need of service they are also in need of one kind of service and support and protection because we look at them as Samaritans they represent the interests of God and they speak the truth and for the religious world they are unclean and there is a cascade of slander against them gossip doubt and people must protect we must protect them who must protect them whose wounds have been have been covered by oil we can serve as as that as those who demonstrate this brotherly love also in this category are also our parents if they are standing in the truth our children are in this category of our neighbors whatever state our children might be in also our essence is our neighbor our spirit and our soul so my spirit is a neighbor for for him my soul is the neighbor renewed thinking and for our soul our lips are a neighbor all of these components must be related to one another there must be a correct uh, legal relationship between one another correctly built relationships and all of this must abide among the saints and if you were asked can you quickly talk about what is a neighbor who is my neighbor we can say that based on what we have read, our neighbor is the one without whom I can't and who can't without me reach those heights that God has placed for me. I can't on my own. I can't without them and they can't without me reach those heights that God has placed and to reach the goal, the lofty goals which God has placed. If I can't without this person, then he is my neighbor. Can't I without my parents? Well, my parents resist the truth. You can support your parents, but we will not we will not lift up to those heights, but we will actually go go lower, go opposite of the truth if we choose them and not our neighbors. Jesus had spoken about this question. One of the disciples asked, Can I go and bury my parents first? He said, Follow me. There are very many of those who are dead who will gladly bury your parents, and they don't even need you. Follow me, he says. You, you are not going to belong at these funerals. Just forget about them and follow me. And we must have correctly built relationships with one another. We must protect those who, who cover our wounds with oil and cover them with wine. And as Pastor had said, Again, while being a young person, I knew him as when I was younger still. When he had preached the truth of God back then, and he had seen he had seen in the face of religions, um, dead religions, and those people who were selected by way of votes, democracy. Pastor had preached the truth. He was preaching the truth. And he had faced confrontation in the face of these people. 
And once he was sitting with his friend, and his friend said, you know, you should know how much I love you. And I knew this person very well, too. I, I, I value you, I cherish you, he said to pastor. But if our leader with the brothers goes against you, he said, know that inside I am for you. And pastor said a very interesting thing. He said, the, par- the parable about the neighbor, who do you think in this parable I am? He said, well, of course, you are the one who was wounded. And pastor answered him, no, this is you who is wounded, wounded by the thieves. And this is you who need the oil and the wine. Sometimes we have compassion over people who do not need compassion, and they face a great reward. They have compassion over us that we cannot, along with them, cannot receive the one and the same reward. And so the second question, what purpose is the elected love of God called to fulfill in brotherly love toward one another? Why do we need brotherly love? What is its purpose? We will begin with the first characteristic. First, demonstrating the selective love of God and brotherly love creates an order and atmosphere for eternal life that is yielded by the light of life that comes from the truth of the Word of God in which the blood of Jesus Christ receives the legal right to cleanse us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. The light of truth in which we are called to walk in order to have fellowship with each other, in which the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could receive a legal basis to cleanse us from all sin, is the light from the knowledge of the truth of the cross of Christ on the basis of the ruling teaching of Christ. So, the light in which we have fellowship with one another according to Scripture and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us is the truth on the basis of which lies the word of the cross of Christ. Now imagine a service in which the truth about baptisms, the truth about deaths is not preached. Do they have correct relationships with one another? Does the blood of Christ wash them? No, the blood of Christ washes when we have fellowship with one another. Fellowship with one another can be there where there is light. It's impossible in darkness to have correct relationships and fellowship with one another. And truth is the teaching about the cross of Christ. Um, And this is the light. This is the most popular sermon in the Christian, Christian world. We have repeatedly noted that it is the truth contained in the cross of Christ that is the key that opens the doors to the treasury of the blood of Christ. These are like the pearly gates. They open access to the tree of life. What is the tree of life? It is all of that which God has placed in His blood. You will say, well, this was on the basis. We have received it right away. Yes, we receive it right away, justification, but it's justification had to become righteousness. There is a seed, but there is a difference between a seed, you place it into the, the ground, it goes to the pearly gates and grows the tree of life. In this tree of life, there is fruit. In this fruit, there is a seed. And this seed looks like the other seed, but there is a difference between that seed that's in the fruit and the seed that is in the ground. And in order for the seed that was placed in the ground 
this dignity of Christ to become this seed in my seed in my fruit, it's necessary to have the pearly gates to go through the pearly gates. Through the pearly gates, we come to the tree of life, which is that seed in the fruit. When I read this, uh, why did Pastor write that we receive access to the blood of Christ because the cross. The blood of Christ was there, but it turns out all the promise, the blood of Christ, all of that which was sealed in the seed of the blood of Christ in the beginning as a basis, we receive by going through the pearly gates and receiving it in a fruit which is in our tree of life. This is where that seed is, and in this seed are contained all of the blessings that are unsealed and that are contained in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, two things that we should highlight. First, without knowing the truth of the cross of Christ, we will have no opportunity to walk in the light of the truth in which God walks, which He exalted in the temple of our body, our body above all His name, and made Himself a slave of His truth. What kind of truth? The truth about the cross, where this truth is in the temple of our body. And second, without knowing the truth of the cross of Christ, we will not have any opportunity to have fellowship with each other to show brotherly love in our faith, which is an atmosphere in which the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And so, in order to show brotherly love, it's necessary to walk, to be in this light and to have fellowship with the saints. Second, demonstrating the selective love of God and brotherly love protects the good name of God as God's belonging, which is also the belonging of our brother or neighbor. This is very interesting. Let's listen to this. This is a very interesting component where God protects His good name to place it into our neighbor. God has hidden Himself in such things if we challenge, then we are then challenging God. Exodus chapter 20, verses 16 through 17. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So in all of these things, God had contained His good name. God contained for me, God has contained for me His good name in you. Now, each time I violate or I encroach the belonging of my neighbor or my brother, I am encroaching upon God Himself. Let's remember, where has God hidden Himself? Where He has placed His good name? And based on this, we will look at what each of these components are. And so, first scripture says, do not bear a false witness against your neighbor. By pronouncing a false witness or by supporting and spreading a bad rumor about our brother who is the property of God, we accept and disseminate a false witness or testimony about God. Sometimes I think, how important would it be for me to have known this way long ago? What? Better, better now than, than never. The image of the neighbor's house in the fourth dimension are double garments that preserve our neighbor from the cold of sin. To encroach on the righteousness of our neighbor is to not uproot envy from our hearts, to attribute his righteousness to ourselves, but to attribute our vices to our neighbor. Furthermore, the image of the neighbor's wife. So again, all these characteristics 
pastor explains that he is going to view them in the fourth dimension. He's not just going to talk about a woman, about a donkey, about a, a slave. He is going to look at all these components in the fourth dimension and unlock the spiritual principle of what is written. And so, let's look at them in the fourth dimension. I will um, remind you that I am reading a very short summary of pastor sermons. In one lesson, I want to warn you that I will fit in four different sermons that we had previously heard from pastor. The image of the neighbor's wife in the fourth dimension is his soul as his thinking renewed by the spirit of his mind, made dependent on the mind of Christ, which is the rational sphere of his new man. To encroach on the thinking of our neighbor, renewed by the spirit of his mind, is to, like Saul, not to recognize the power of Samuel's words over him by distorting them, interpreting their true meaning with his own reason. So this encroachment on the thinking of our neighbor occurs and uh, occurs in occurs in us. First Kings for Samuel chapter 15 verses 16 to 24 then Samuel said to Saul be quiet and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night he said to him speak on so Samuel said when you were little in your own eyes were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel that the Lord sent you on a mission and said go and utterly destroy the sinners the Malachites and fight against them until they are consumed why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took of the plunder, sheep and oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Furthermore, the image of the slaves of our neighbor in the fourth dimension are members of the body of our neighbor given to them as slaves of righteousness. Romans chapter 12 verses 19 through 22 For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness leading to more lawlessness so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness and when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness what fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Furthermore, to encroach on the members of our neighbor's body, giving them into the slavery of righteousness, is instead of setting an example of humility to our neighbor, we dominate the members of our neighbor's body, pursuing heinous and shameful self-interest. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1-4 through 4. The elders who are among you I exhort. I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion but willingly, not for dishonest gain but eagerly. Nor is being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crowd of glory that does not fade away. Fi 
rule over him, then I take the members of my body and I encroach on God's belonging. So if I say to a person, go and do, and I myself don't go and do, I encroach on the members of his body. I cause him to do that, which I myself don't do. Furthermore, the image of the neighbor's ox in the fourth dimension is his dedicated and consecrated will, the efforts of which our neighbor enters the kingdom of heaven. Ox is the dedicated and consecrated will, the efforts of which our neighbor enters the kingdom of heaven. Luke 16, 16, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. To encroach on the will of one's neighbor dedicated to God is to compel one's neighbor to fulfill the desire of one's own flesh, clothing them in the will of God. So, in this, even King David was to blame. Let's take a look at how he encroached on the will of his neighbor. 2 Samuel 24.10 And David's heart condemned him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now I pray, O Lord, take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. So here we are. He had seen that God, and he had understood where God hides himself. And as soon as he violated these sovereign rights, then he was met with God and he had repented right away. The numbering of people occurred contrary to his will. Considering that the way of numbering of people was a sanctification of the people, the sin of David was that was that um, he was the initiator of this, this sanctification. It was not God, but his own flesh behind which Satan stood. Furthermore, the image of our neighbor's donkey in the fourth dimension is his body, which became the bearer of the rider in the face of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming through his mouth the peace of God for Jerusalem. Matthew 21, verses 1-5 through 5. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. See where God contains himself? That he needs his substances. If someone encroaches on these, these things, then he will have to deal with God. Again, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you meekly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. To encroach on the body of our neighbors, to send him to the service of God, to which God did not send him, in order to avert him from his calling, expressed in the adoption of his body through the atonement of Christ. So every time someone sends people, he sends a person or they, he attributes the substances. Instead of saying to a person that in his body the resurrection of Christ must reign, they force this body to go and to preach to others when they themselves are in blemishes and sin and they themselves need salvation and help. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. 
I was sent. People were saying, I was sent in the church to go preach. I did all this by your name. And he will say, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from you, you who practice lawlessness. The interesting component, second component, the third component, demonstrating the selective love of God and brotherly love, shows our neighbor the path of righteousness that leads to the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. Proverbs chapter 12, verses 26, The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. In this parable, two categories of neighbors are presented, and two people on whom these two categories depend and who they follow to fulfill their salvation. They want to lead their neighbors. The righteous are messengers of God who carry the light of the revelation of truth on which their neighbors depend. This is the truth of the cross of Christ. The neighbors who can see the light of these revelations, showing them the way to the adoption of their bodies through the atonement of Christ. The wicked are people who try, through lies and slander, to blind the saints in order to mislead them and to abolish the authority of the righteous over them in order to take their place and lead them after themselves, away from the adoption of their bodies through the atonement of Christ, through the false virtue emanating from their flesh, and through evangelism to which God did not call them. Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 through 14. When he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. No one is asking to follow the blind. Those who follow the blind leaders, to them sounded this voice, Church, exit out of Babylon. This was a call. They both fall into the pit. And they both share in that curse. Others go to the righteous and they are lifted up to heights and they share in the reward of the righteous. Some will share in the reward in the pit and some will share in the reward in the heights of of heaven. And we remember, we choose to go after either the righteous or the wicked. This is the decision of either life or death. Some people say, it doesn't matter what church to go to, Christ is everywhere. Really? We'll see in the future then. Fourth, demonstrating the selective love of God and brotherly love demonstrates Christ in us who takes away and carries the burden of our weary neighbor. Romans chapter 15 verses 1 through 3. We then who are strong ought to bear with the scruples of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good leading to edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. Furthermore, Pastor will show that he had pleased the Father. He did not please the disciples. He said, if you want, you can leave me. He never pleased people. Regarding this neighbor and regarding this, that we must correctly cooperate with this. What kind of of weariness or weaknesses? 
We know it's very dangerous to somehow stoop down to the level of some weaknesses. Those are not the weaknesses that we're thinking about. These weaknesses that we're talking about is the dignities of the cross of Christ. And I've, I've, I've given you the answers already because I know them, but let's read about them. From these words, it follows that to bear the scruples of our weak neighbor means to take these scruples upon ourselves. All that God has done for us to bring us into the uncharted inheritance of Christ is possible only through brotherly love, which acquires its legitimacy when we abandon infancy and become capable of incurring the weaknesses of our weary neighbor. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 14 through 16 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ for from whom the whole body joined in it together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love based on the existing paradigm, having the component of brotherly love and pleasing our neighbors and their weaknesses is for us the right to transfer from the state and atmosphere of death to the state and atmosphere of eternal life. We are called to please our weak neighbor for the good of edification, just as Christ did not please himself but God. It follows that we must please our neighbors as Christ pleased God. The fact is that God, by virtue of His sovereign word, which He magnified in three interconnected dimensions at the heights of heaven, in the sanctuary in the face of the bride of the Lamb, and in the temple of our body, is powerless to do anything for us without our consent and our participation, which should take place strictly within the boundaries of the law of commandments and statutes established by Him. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Given this principle, we are called in brotherly love to uphold the weaknesses of our neighbors within the borders of the commandments of the Lord. Bearing the weaknesses of our powerless neighbors, we fulfill the commandments of the Lord and please God, which gives God the foundation to transfer us from the state and order of death to the state and order of eternal life. Simply through correct um, pleasing, we pass from the state of life into we pass from the state of death to the state of life. Okay, we ask a question. How do I how do I correctly please a neighbor? How? Pastor says when you preach, preach the word, you remember two things that you are preaching the word of the kingdom and you are preaching kings and priests. If I am preaching the word of the kingdom, I am preaching for priests and kings. How do we place the word of the kingdom with the word to kings and priests. Remember, you are preaching the kingdom, the word regarding the kingdom of God to kings and priests. This art, it's it's beautiful masterpiece to combine these two things. In order to uphold our powerless neighbors and their weaknesses, it is necessary to understand what kind of weaknesses we are talking about, which we are called to bear with our powerless neighbors in order to show brotherly love in our faith and thus get the right to power to go from death to life. 
Otherwise, pleasing the weaknesses of our neighbors may in fact turn out to be our complicity in the lawlessness of people who, in their abundance, are among any congregation and have nothing to do with our neighbors. So you see here, it turns out that even pleasing the weakness of so-called neighbors can serve as our participation in their lawless works. In Scripture, under the weaknesses of our neighbors, we mean the conscience, impotence of a person or a person's refusal to trust in anything other than trusting in God. And such weakness is the conscious and voluntary choice of our neighbor. Here's the answer. What is a weakness? What is a weakness in Scripture? In Scripture, we, the weaknesses of our neighbors are is the conscious impotence of a person or a person's refusal to trust in anything other than trusting in God. He relies Philippians chapter 3 verses 7 through 11 but what things were gained to me these I have encountered loss for Christ and indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is talking about, this is Apostle Paul talking about himself, about his weaknesses, that all that was a gain for him, he has counted as loss for Christ, in order to be found in Christ with his righteousness. And he says, I become weak. And these kind of weak ones we must warm. Take a look at Christ, Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, erected a person's refusal to hope and trust in anything in favor of hope and trust in God's promises into the status of the poverty of the Spirit, which opens up free entrance to the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Considering that God in helping the weaknesses of our neighbor, bound himself to a man dressed in the authority of a warrior of prayer, whom he likened to his nature and endowed him with the sovereign right to bear the weaknesses of our neighbor. So a warrior of prayer must carry the weaknesses of his neighbor, and to carry the weaknesses, we must see these neighbors, we must see saints who have this weakness, just as Christ had it and just as Apostle Paul had it when they had refused to uh, when they had refused everything in order to to reach out to God. And so the word weakness means disease, oppression, suffering, sorrow, annoyance, powerlessness, weakness, affliction, humiliation. And the word weak means naked, depressed, humiliated, poor, beggar, suffering, humble, meek, modest, miserable. It will say these people are in need of, of us stooping down to their level. Of course. To stoop down is a great price. To stoop down isn't just to close our eyes. A person is uh, doing lawlessness and someone says, oh, I'm just stooping down. As soon as we say this, we become partakers of this lawlessness. We, we are mistaken in defining weakness and defining our neighbor. And we can't pass from death to life. 
The weakness of our powerless neighbor is not his sin or his cowardice. This is his guide through which the power of God passes to him in an atmosphere of brotherly love. The phrase, carry the weaknesses, means lift up, carry, grab, take, hold. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, we're talking about those people who are in need, about those people who have a weakness. Should, uh, by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me, and he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. By reading this, you, Apostle Paul, we ask, we ask God, why did you ask God three times with one phrase? The Spirit come out of him. Do you remember how he had done this? There was a woman that was following them and reaching, and he said, Spirit, come out of you. And simultaneously, the Spirit left her. And there was the great fear of God among the people. Here, angel of Satan tempts him and he doesn't allow him to go. He says, th he three times asks God for God to remove it because this angel was not given to Apostle Paul from, through sin. This angel was given to him in order for him to, in power, to preach the word about the kingdom of heaven in power. God had allowed this. He saw that the Apostle he should have said, in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone, I rebuke you. And he would have left. Pay attention here. He didn't do this. It says here that uh, the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. And at the same time, he does not say to the weakness, get out of here. He, in his weakness, thanks God. And three times he had asked and he had received an answer from God. That revelation that I gave you, it is so strong that for this, there is strong power. And in these afflictions, you must thank me. This will allow you to preach the gospel about the kingdom because my power can be made strong in your, in your weakness. Luke chapter 23 verses 34 through 35 Father forgive them for they do not know what they do and they divided his garments and cast lots and the people stood looking on but even the rulers with them sneered saying he saved others let him save himself if he is the Christ the chosen of God Jesus said I can ask the Father and he is going to send a multitude of angels he didn't do this in this hour yet it 
come so that in my weaknesses the power of God can be made strong. We can command Satan when he encroaches on certain spheres. A pastor said, sometimes in afflictions you must, in these afflictions, you must continue to carry the light. You just need to live through them. You just need to carry them. You just need to demonstrate meekness and humility and just pass uh, pass through them. It's very important. Fifth, the demonstrating of the selective love of God and brotherly love at the root suppresses the carrier of bad rumors about our neighbors and does not allow it to affect their lives. Leviticus chapter 19, verses 16 through 18, You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Based on the existing statement, spreading bad rumors about the person who has the status of a neighbor and represents Christ to us, we stand up against his life. Twice in this decree, which has no statute of limitations, God, protecting the interests of our neighbor through our attitude to them, says, I am the Lord, which indicates the fact that our attitude towards our neighbor is regarded by God as an attitude towards himself. An attitude towards my neighbor God views as an attitude towards himself. The phrase, you shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, means do not spread slander and gossip among your people about your neighbor who represents Christ to you. Gossip and slander is a spreading of bad rumors that affects the life of our neighbor, of which we are personally witnesses and which we are not authorized to verify. The phrase, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, you shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him, means do not become an invisible enemy to your brother in your heart. Point him to his inappropriate behavior and forgive him, incurring his guilt on yourself, and God will not blame you for your sin. Again, do not become an invisible enemy to your brother in your heart, pointing him to his inappropriate behavior. Do not become an invisible enemy to your brother in your heart. <laughs> I greet and I hug, and but inside, I have become for this person an enemy if I behave in this way. Point him to his inappropriate behavior and forgive him, incurring his guilt on yourself, and God will not blame you for your sin. Matthew 6, 14-15 If you give men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The phrase, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord, means, Do not investigate the affairs of the sons of your people. Do not pass judgment and do not hold anger at your brother. But treat his misconduct as your misconduct presented to my court, says the Lord. It's interesting in relation to neighbors. Do not hold wrath against a brother, but treat his misconduct as your misconduct presented to my court. 
You didn't even think about these words to understand them. You must be taught these things. How can I act towards the misconduct of my brother, for which I carry responsibility, as my misconduct that is presented before the judge? We must be taught this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 7. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. Say a 6, 4 through 6. O Ephraim, what shall I do to you? O Judah, what shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew it goes away. Therefore I have hewn them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And your judgments are like the light that goes forth, for I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Proceeding from the existing meaning, we are called to demonstrate brotherly love and become intercessors between God and our neighbor in order to pass from death to life and inherit the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. Sixth, demonstrating the selective love of God and brotherly love exposes the cunning enemy of our neighbor who impersonates a friend and brings upon him the vengeance of God. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 8 through 9. Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. So you know, to speak deceit doesn't mean to speak a lot, but for others to not perhaps understand you, but to place a seed, to take your brother's hand and say, how do you look at this expression? And then you let his hand go and you keep going. You have sown something in this person. A person can't understand what you meant, what just happened. Then he comes over time, he comes, takes him by the hand, and now how do you look at this expression? He lets go of the hand and keeps going. You need to see the full picture here. You can't take from one picture one element. Look at the masterpiece, Christ in the wilderness. A person takes devil's picture and says, look, look, devil. Then time comes, he takes Christ, picture of Christ. One person had called me before, everything is burning, there's war. I said, why? Why do you take elements away from the picture? Step back and look. In this context was presented this picture, this illustration. And this illustration highlights all of that which was spoken. D what did Pastor say about this? I don't remember. Well, when you remember, then this will be good. What about here? This episode is an illustration to a whole meaning. What was written? I don't remember. Well, okay. In order to take something out, cut it out, and say, listen to this phrase, ask yourselves. Say to yourselves, give me the notes so I can understand the full context. Their tongue is an arrow shot out. It speaks deceit. One speaks peaceably to his neighbor with his mouth, but in his heart he lies in wait. 
Shall I not punish them for these things, says the Lord? Shall I not avenge myself on such a nation as this? The cunning lips of enemies, speaking amicably, but whose hearts have forges built, by which we mean an ambush, a net or a trap, or a murderous arrow for our neighbor. The enemies of our neighbors in the midst of a congregation of saints is a category of people called who refuse to obey the word preached to them through the messengers of God. And when the disciples of Christ corrected them, they took this as a personal insult encroaching on the sovereignty of their intellect or on freedom of perception of the teachings of Christ with their own mind. They had no desire to pay a price for this for this, for this teaching. You can die to your nation, the house of your corrupt, the house and your corrupt desires, yes, but if a person has not died to his denomination, that's a problem. It's dangerous. Strengthening in their own righteousness, challenging the order of God in the body of Christ and in their imaginary freedom, which threatened the righteousness of God's chosen remnant, they considered for themselves the will of God to present the order of God in the body of Christ as humiliating slavery and righteousness derived from faith as a heretical teaching. They replaced the theocratic structure in which the body of Christ functions with a democratic structure in which each person can express his own opinion about the truth and be a teacher. For this purpose, the category of those called at the head of their authorities replaced the fruit of the Spirit with virtue emanating from their own flesh and with ebullient activity aimed at so-called evangelization to which God did not send them. Galatians 5.10 I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. Our goal in demonstrating brotherly love, in which you are called to protect our neighbors, is to give God a foundation to bring vengeance upon the enemies of our neighbors who present the category of those who are called. In Galatians 5.10, I repeat, says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. This truth is preached in the theocratical structure. How um, how great it is it to have a theocratical structure that we are part of? We heard on Sunday about this order of God that exists, uh, the order of God that exists in the universe, in the movement of the stars, the order of God that exists in the church, the order of God that exists in worship, the order of God that exists in the clothing of ourselves and the resurrection of Christ, the order of God that exists in our body, in our soul, and in our spirit, the order of God that exists between the spirit, soul, and body. This is where the three thrones are located, in our conscience, our renewed mind, our lips, and our um, and our lips. This is the order of God that can only be there where the church is, this good wife. And this is the church where this order of God is preached in a theocratical structure. And there are these arrows there of those that speak deceit, who destroy faith in some faith before the revelation of the great promise. Not now. Not now. Not now. Seven. The final purpose or 
of a selective love of God and brotherly love in demonstrating it is in union with the first and greatest commandment in the status of the love of God that affirms in the temple of our body the whole law of the prophets. Matthew 22, verses 35 through 40. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If, through the preached word about the kingdom of heaven, the law and the prophets containing the images of the abundant grace of God are not approved or are reigned in our hearts of the righteousness expressed in obedience to the truth, we will have no opportunity to love God and our neighbor. And therefore, we will not have any opportunity to pass from death to life in order to become carriers of a heavenly body. The law and prophets can be affirmed in the temple of our body only through our partaking to the body of Christ in the face of saints who are in the category of the bride of the Lamb through obedience to one person clothed in the body of Christ with the authority of the fatherhood of God representing for us the one Jesus Christ and all the promises hidden in Him. Apostle Paul wrote in First Corinthians chapter Second Corinthians chapter one verse twenty through twenty two for all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us as God, who also has sealed us and given us a spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. To confirm this order operating in the body of Christ through the one Jesus Christ and therefore through one person in the congregation of saints representing the fatherhood of God, we turn to the following passage in scripture. Romans chapter 5 verses 17 through 21. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. How does it say one, one, and one? One and one and one. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might, be abound, might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded, abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The phrase, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, tells us that not one of the commandments can be fulfilled by us if it is not based on love toward God and our neighbor through our demonstration of brotherly love. And that's not all. Not one of the precious promises contained in the treasury of Christ's uncharted inheritance can be realized if we refuse to show brotherly love in our faith. This means that the phrase, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, so love toward God and love toward our neighbor, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, 
It tells us that if we lack the true atmosphere of brotherly love, we will lose our salvation and not be able to pass from death to life. Take a look here. It's interesting if we stop here. Ask a person, what does it mean to lose salvation? Well, you sinned, you didn't repent, you went, you fell, lost consciousness, died, lost salvation. No. To lose salvation is to not have the opportunity to pass from death to life and not just to sin. The righteous can fall and sin, but does it say here, it says here, by losing, in losing salvation we cannot pass from death to life. This is the guide from death to life. To keep salvation is to go from death to life. And therefore we will lose our true calling consisting of the adoption of our body, since we will not have brotherly love, which is a weapon designed to destroy the power of death in our bodies, so that in its place we could build the power of life. So brotherly love is the weapon, the selective love that destroys the power of death and replaces it with the power of life. Therefore, the grace of God is called to abound and reign in our bodies through the mutually reinforcing bonds of brotherly love, which are ascertained by the acts of righteousness. Thus, the significance of brotherly love called to manifest itself in mutually reinforcing bonds has been put by God at the forefront of our salvation. We still have some time, a few more minutes, and let me read this again. The degree of honor of the highest calling of God in Christ Jesus in the future, literally, will depend on the degree of manifestation of brotherly love revealed to our neighbor in the love of God, agape. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. Brethren, I did not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. In order to strive to this highest calling and to this goal, we have gone over these seven components. Amen. Let us pray and may you be blessed in your prayers. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege today to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you, Lord, that we can be found on that place, that you have contained yourself on that place and where it's written, where your good name dwells. We thank you, Lord, that you today demonstrate the truth for us and your light of God, the light of your revelation and the power of the Holy Spirit allowing us 
to be found in the great status of the disciples of Christ and the a great rank of the servants of the Lord to heed to your word and to continue to be found in the light of this word and through this to have correct relationship with one another in which the blood of Jesus Christ can wash us we thank you Lord that we are found upon this place and that it is specifically on this place that your heavenly light dwells and we turn to this light until the morning star appears in our hearts until the resurrection of Christ is reigning in our bodies because it is able to reign only then when the, the power of life will reign through love demonstrated in brotherly love we ask you Lord for this selective love of God love of God demonstrated toward our neighbor can destroy the power of death in our body and replace it with the power of resurrection we thank you Lord for your truth we thank you that you are our neighbor and you have led us to you when you were on the cross when you were on the cross you have gathered the eyes our eyes to you you are found in great afflictions in which you revealed the great power of God and you demonstrated on the on the cross you were able to to lead that chosen remnant throughout the whole earth I thank you that you are our neighbor I thank you that you have revealed to us the dignity of the Father demonstrated through the sermon of your of your people and today these dignities can become our dignities these dignities that were inherited to the Heavenly Father and shown to us in the Son of Man Jesus Christ they can be produced by us through the power of the Holy Spirit upon that place upon that place on which you have left your mark thank you Lord for this great privilege we we ask you Lord and we pray and we praise you from this holy temple we thank you for our neighbor we pray for our messengers whom you have given to us we pray for your your grace your mercy for your spirit the spirit of counsel advice and wisdom can can dwell abundantly upon your saints who for us are our neighbors and whom you have established in order to bind our wounds and pour out your divine oil representing the power and authority of the Holy Spirit we thank you Lord they have allowed them to serve us and allow us to understand today that they also are in need of our help they also are in need of our help at a time where the tongue of a deceitful person spreads slander 
destroying the faith in the hearts of others. We ask you to allow us to protect the truth and to condemn lawlessness. We condemn lawlessness. And before condemning lawlessness in someone in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask for your judgment to come upon us. Condemn all lawlessness and every unclean thought, every, every doubt. Allow us to judge this in ourselves first. Allow us to judge every thought that destroys the authority of your word your church and your church by the power of the cross of Christ that destroys the authority of those people of whom you said just as my father had sent me I send you allow us Lord to take these thoughts into captivity and to transform every disobedience into obedience into in Christ during these end times and therefore Lord we condemn in ourselves every thought that may have placed doubt in your word and we bring upon ourselves the judgment of God and I ask you Father in the name of Jesus Christ bring your judgment into the church of God and deliver your church from the wicked and covetous people in whom there is no faith I ask you Lord to come in your judgment and may your judgment burn show yourself and protect your chosen remnants who have kept this promise till the day of your coming the wicked and lawless whoever he may be let him be condemned we thank you Lord that we can bless our parents who dwell in the truth we can bless our children who our, are our mirrors and our illumination, understanding that they are our neighbors, and to not discipline them until we discipline ourselves and until we bring the judgment of God upon ourselves because they are always our neighbors. We thank you, Lord, for your truth that these words of God reveal to us. We thank you that today, before our spirit, soul, and body, there is complete order, divine order. And today, our lips confess that which is in our renewed thinking and mind. And our renewed thinking and mind has those truths that are contained in our conscience. And our conscience has access to the Holy Spirit, who is the Lord and ruler of our life. Thank you, Lord, for that great order that you have demonstrated in our essence, in which you demonstrate in the universe, which you demonstrate in worship, which you demonstrate in the Church of God. And therefore, Lord, we ask you for you to free your Church from lawless and disorderly people. Disorderly people who don't just have ignorance, but in whom there is cunningness in their heart, resentment, envy, pride, Allow us to be deaf to all slander. Allow us 
to die to our nation, to the house of our Father, and to our corrupt desires. Allow us also, each of us, to die to that denomination which we were once a part of and which we had left. Allow us, Lord, because this will kill us otherwise. Allow us. By being Baptist, to die to Baptists. Pentecost for Pentecost. Allow us to die to them so that we can gain them and be a light to them. Allow us to understand the time that we are living in, that this this is the time in which we must, with trembling, act toward the heard word of God and to not carry out the decrees of our mind. And resonating with our lips, speaking judgment to ourselves. Allow us, Lord, to not sin with our words. Allow us to have meekness of our lips, in which we don't just bless the saints with our lips and protect them. And therefore, each time when we hear slander, we are going to protect the truth, defend it. We're not going to remain silent, but we are going to forbid the gossipers and slanders to pass it along and to lay doubt in our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that we are weak and that we are also weak in your eyes, that we carry this weakness when we refuse to rely on any authorities. We don't want to search for these authorities beyond the limits of this church. These authorities are in the Word. These authorities are divine, and they are in your church. If we think that we can turn to authorities that slander our ears and that might seem correct, they will serve to us as as death. Allow us to keep our salvation through the ability to pass from the state of death to the state of life. Allow, Lord, that seed that was Christ and that was sown in us, allow us to receive this seed that will now be in our fruit, that will bring fruit and the tree of life in our spirit. And we ask you for us to be clothed into this fruit because we cannot be clothed in the seed but we can be clothed into that seed into the new man it will come to the full measure of the stature of Christ we ask you Lord for you to allow us to be clothed into the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth We thank you, Lord, that we have made the decision today to represent your interests. We today have heard that you have hidden yourself and you have hidden your good name. You have contained your good name in our neighbor and allow us to not violate the boundaries of our neighbor because by violating the boundaries of our neighbor, who has the sovereignty given to him by God. By encroaching on him, we are met with you, with your good and holy name. And we will have 
to deal with this. Allow us to show an example on ourselves, but not to... Allow us to aim to serve saints and not to allow them to... Allow us to be taught that truth that we had the ability to hear today and to take upon ourselves the transgressions of our saints and immersing ourselves into the judgment of God and allowing the judgment of God to reign. God will find the time and His ways how to deliver our brother from those blemishes whom, with which He sends. I thank You, Lord, that we are the organized part and when we enter into Your holiness, we enter together. And now it's the decision of every person to either to lift up on the heights of heaven and to sing a triumphant song, to either remain on the bottom of the Jordan or with the inheritance of God to enter into the promised land, which was once the land of the Canaanites. Today, Lord, this land is Israel, the victorious land. We thank you, Lord, that you will never allow the Jewish people to control their land until the Christians of the Gentiles could control their body and reign the resurrection of Christ in their bodies. And when Christ will reign in their bodies, then you will receive the right to reign on earth earth which your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name you will allow the Jews to live to live quietly and that war that is there it is also here you desire for this war to end it will not end in Israel until that war ends in us the terrorism in Israel will not end until the terrorism in the church ends. The rockets will fly until that slander and that gossip stops flying among the saints. Therefore, Lord, we desire peace for Israel after there will be full peace of God in the church. We ask you, Lord, let your peace of God come into the church of God. Let your divine peace come into the essence of your saints. And for our essence, our body, for there be to be full order between the spirit, soul, and body, allow us, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit and by your truth, to conduct this this order in ourselves. May this order be in your church. May this order be upon the whole earth. And you will do this. And you will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You, Lord, will be. And today, the decision is ours, whether or not we want you to be our King. But we have made the decision to rely on you, accepting your word and, to, and containing it in our heart. We thank you, Lord, for those truths that we have, and we ask you for you to continue to give us these, these wonderful words that will become, that will be in our heart, 
in which before your coming and before the demonstration of your glory will fulfill our lamp. And may your holy name be blessed upon this holy place. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.